Welcome back to another episode of Seeing Life from a Different Angle. This is episode number 12. And I wanted to thank all of you for listening through all this time. It's amazing to me that this podcast now has reached over a thousand listens in less than two months, which is pretty incredible and very humbling. You know, it's a funny thing. Every time I start this podcast, I never know for sure what it is I'm going to talk about. So, you know, it isn't that I sit down here and prep. You know, every time that there is the podcast that comes to you on Wednesday, it doesn't come, for want of a better way to put it, from a lot of laborious work on my part. I come downstairs to my office, which in and of itself is surrounded by a thousand books and most of them on psychoanalysis, some on history, some on politics, some on religion, you know, and sociology as well as philosophy. And I sit down here and I pray. And I pray that I will have the words that I need or that the Holy Spirit will work through me and allow me to say what it is that should be said. And it's a weird thing because, you know, I think we spend our whole lives desperately wanting to be in control. And so for me to say, okay, whatever it is you want me to say, I will say. You know, Bishop Barron, who is a fantastic bishop and he has this Word on Fire Institute, as well as does homilies and gospels every day, he he talks about the idea that our life is not our own. But how much of our life do we spend focused on trying to make it our own, trying to have a measure of control over our lives? You know, things happen to us all the time. And when we're desperate to be in control, when these things happen, it overwhelms us, it blows us away because this isn't supposed to happen, and now control has been taken away from me. But let's be honest, isn't control of our own lives really an illusion? You know, it's only a step away from being delusional and thinking that we are gods ourselves, that we have complete control over the world and the things that are going to happen. You know, I think when we're kids, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but certainly was true for me when, when we're kids. I remember sitting on the school bus coming home from school and sitting at a stoplight and saying to myself, I'm going to use my mind to change that light, to turn it green. And I would count backwards from five. At any particular speed, it didn't matter. But invariably, by the time I hit zero, the light was supposed to turn green. You know, so there's something fascinatingly childish and imaginative about the idea of being able to step outside of ourselves and control the world around us using our minds. But yet, the truth of it is, events will occur in our lives that are beyond our control. You know, things will happen and we'll struggle with people at work or we'll struggle with people that we love. You know, we think it's supposed to be a particular way, but it doesn't end up being that way. You know, and how blind we are to the very thought that we can actually be in control of these things and make them work the way that we want them to work. And so part of that is, I think, a step away from our pride. 
You know, it is pride, it is arrogance that makes us believe, makes me believe that, you know, I need to be in control. And indeed, I am in control of so many things in my life. But it isn't true. You know, I, I have faulted and faltered through, men, through many experiences too many times in my life. You know, thinking myself to be perhaps better than I am as a father, as a friend, as a therapist, as a husband, as a brother, as a son, you know, and yet realizing at some level or another there was a part of me that was acting for myself, not really acting out of love for others, but out of desire to be loved or the illusion of being loved as I believed love to be. And it's led nowhere, nowhere fast. And I think it's something that all of us experience. We think we're in a relationship, but we're not. Because the relationship in and of itself is so focused on what's going on inside of our own head, inside of our own noggin, where we're thinking, okay, if I do this, if I do that, then they'll love me. And if I do this and I do that, they won't leave me. And if I do this and I do that, you know, they'll be happy enough in their lives. But let's be honest, we're not thinking about what it is that the other person really is about, what it is they really need. You know, it goes back to that myopic reality that sadly is a part of human existence. You know, the reality that says, you know, I've got to keep things going in this space, keep things going as they are inside this fenced in yard, which is where the real world is. And it's not, you know, it's like sitting in the bus story, you know, and changing the light. There was still some magical thought inside of me that this was going to be the way that I needed it to be, or I believed it to be. And there's, it was in part about control, but in part also about that wide open reality that sadly went away in short order after that. You know, I was very blessed to have good parents. You know, my mom has passed away seven years ago on the 20th of this month. But my dad, you know, he keeps going. 83 years old this year, chugging along. And as time has gone by, I have increasingly appreciated the value of my father for who he is, you know. And I look back at my life and I think, you know, there were times when I desperately wanted to be in control of the things that were going on around me and my mom and my dad thwarted my attempts. They stopped me from going where it is I wanted to go, doing the things I wanted to do. And I look back at it now and I realize in many ways it's much like the prayers that I have before I start these podcasts, which is to say, okay, this may or may not be the right thing for you to do. This may or may not be the right thing for you to talk about. Like today, I was going to start talking about the seven deadly sins and share with listeners a letter that I sent to my best friend Tom. But every time I kept reading through it and every time I started the mic and recording, it screwed up. And I realized, okay, you know, perhaps there was a part of me that didn't want to and or shouldn't talk about what it is that I was reading there. But let others speak through me. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me. I'm aware that I probably turn off a certain percentage of the people that listen to me. And I'm aware 
in this sad day and age where we are so riddled with fear and so desperate for self-preservation, so, as we've talked about, so subjective that some of the things I say will not only turn people off, but may even trigger people. You know, they don't want to hear about love. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit. They don't want to hear about Christ. You know, they don't want to hear about Plato or Socrates. They don't want to hear about the metaphor of the cave. You know, they don't want to hear these things any more than they want to hear that we don't really have control over our lives. But if they're not spoken, and I think if they're not spoken with love, then what good am I but a clanging bell? You know, it doesn't make any sense just to clang a bell without any reason to do so. It's like Christ said, you know, you don't hide your light under a bushel basket. And I'm not saying that I'm the most brilliant person you will ever hear by any stretch of the imagination. And it humbles me to think that you would actually listen to me in the first place. But the things that I do say, I say out of love and out of concern for you, my friends, my neighbors, the strangers in my life. But all of you, as we have talked about, are part of mankind and part of the body. You know, a body that is formed by and remains within God. And, you know, going back to the metaphor of the ships, you know, the three three moral realms within which we must live that C.S. Lewis talked about, we not only have to think about others, we not only have to be prepared to be healthy enough to provide for ourselves and for others, we also have to remember that we all are a part of a common family. And I think when we try to impress upon others this need to control the world within which we live, it is based on that fear. It is based on the fear that I'm going to hear something that's going to overwhelm me and frighten me, that I'm going to experience something, see something. And so we shut down those who speak. We shut down those who say to us, for instance, in this case, that we don't really have any control over our lives. But let me tell you this. There's a great blessing to be had in terms of accepting the fact that we don't have any control over our lives. Pride, as Lewis talks about, is really the foundation that sin emanates from. So if pride is that, then what is humility? Not only is it the opposite of pride, but it is the foundation, I believe, for the blessings in our life. Having been a person who is of great pride and great arrogance, and therefore great stupidity and great sinfulness in my own life, to humble myself before God and to humble myself before man and to recognize that you know, every person that I come across is as good as me, is as smart, is as worthy, is as lovable, is a part of the body of Christ. You know, it, it enlivens me, it enlightens me, and it has allowed me to move forward in much healthier ways in my life. You know, that's part of the reason for this podcast was to look at things from a different angle psychologically but 
it cannot be without looking at things from a philosophical as well as a religious perspective because all of these things matter you know how how we see ourselves going in our life where we see ourselves going where we have been it's much like taking a trip in a car you know when we are driving in a car we have to think about three different directions all at the same time sadly if you drive the roads of New England where I live you will find that sadly most people do not but I think that it is important for us to consider these three perspectives as we're driving and these are truly a metaphor for the ways that we should live our life we need to be focused first on what's going on around us we need to know the cars that are around us the circumstances that are around us or as in the case of New England the snow that is on the ground or the ice that's on the ground we need to be attentive to those things that are going on around the car as well as inside the car the second is that we also need to be attentive to where we are going you know what is what lies ahead of us what are we going to be facing in the next 500 feet the next 5,000 feet the next mile two miles three miles you know we have to be looking ahead and the third is that we also have to be attentive to what's going on behind us you know, we have to keep our eye on the rearview mirror to see if that Mack truck is hauling just to head down our, our lane and are desperate to get through that lane and get us off and to get to where they're going. You know, and I think it is a great metaphor for the way that we have to look at our lives. It is this, is that we have to be attentive to the things that are occurring in our lives at the present moment, but we can't just focus on that. Because if we focus on that, just like if we were to focus on that driving a car, we would crash. You know, because we're not paying attention to what's going on in front of us, we're paying attention to what's going on behind us. If we focus solely on what's happened in the past, then by continuing to look in the rearview mirror, we're going to crash. Because we also need to be attentive to what's going on around us, as well as to where we're heading. And if we're only focused on where we're heading, we're not paying attention to what's happening around us any more than we're paying attention to what is behind us and what might be coming up on us. There's not a single one of us in life who has not had conflict, who has not had trauma of some sort. And so we all have a past that we need to be attentive to. We all have bits and pieces of life where in pain and suffering, these things seem to just keep coming at us. And we don't understand why. And I think it's one of those things that occurs because we stop really looking at what it is that's going on behind us. You know, psychology would tell us today to be mindful of the present. There's nothing wrong with mindfulness as long as we recognize that it's only one third of the equation. Reality is, is that we need to be as attentive to what's occurred in our life, traumas, the conflicts, the worries, the fears, the desperation, the love lost, the love gained. We need to be attentive to these things because the past will dictate how we deal with the present. If I've had an accident, metaphorically speaking, in my life, you know, with a car that has crashed into me at a stoplight, you know, I need to be attentive to that when I come to a stoplight in the future. It's going to influence how it is I deal with going to a stoplight and what it is that goes on inside of me. And so if I've had traumatic experiences in my life, I need to be aware that 
these traumatic experiences are going to affect the people that I choose in my life, the choices that I make in my life. And so by being attentive to that, you know, I can be more prepared for where it is I'm going in my life. If I'm only focused on one of these three directions, as I say, whether it's mindfulness or I am so focused on the past that I don't allow myself to live in the present, I hide away from others you know, out of fear, I lock myself into my own room or never leave the house. You know, if I'm focused on one of those two things or even focus so much on, okay, well, where am I going? Where am I going to get to tomorrow? I end up doing harm to myself because I'm not really thinking about the whole of myself. And so, like going back to the idea of Lewis's three ships, not only do I need to focus on making sure that I don't do harm to others, I need to focus on doing what is healthy for myself, keeping in mind the past, the present, and the future. And then finally, I also need to think about the fact that as a part of this body, this body of God that God has created for us, and I'm not talking about the physical body, though that is important, but that fits more in number two than in number three, but the body of mankind, that every one of us, Every person that we pass is our brother, is our sister. You know, whether it's the guy who is begging for money at the mall, or whether it is the CEO of some major company, or whether it is simply the mailman or the neighbor that walks down the street, we're all part of a body. You know, we all matter to each other. And so when I struggle to try to gain control over my life, what I'm trying to do is to try to make sure that whatever it is that might occur in relationship to other people doesn't affect me. What a nonsensical waste of my time. Instead of that, should I not be focused on giving to others, being there for others, and accepting whatever may occur to me? Now, don't get me wrong. You know, there are people in our lives who will and have caused us pain. They have caused us suffering. They have caused us worry and fear and disappointment. And I know that there is a natural inclination in all of us to say, well, one of two, couple things. One is that I'm going to stay away from that person. Or two, I'm going to hurt that person for hurting me. You know, Or three, I'm just going to avoid anybody who reminds me of that person in my life. And yes, there are those people who will sadly bring harm to us though i do not believe at a very conscious deep level certainly not at a very deep unconscious level that there was really any intent to do the harm that these individuals have done to us i think after everything is said and done we are ruled by some unruly forces at times the pathology that each of us experiences when our ego feels frustrated and overwhelmed and I think there is a natural inclination in all of us for preservation. But the problem is this, when we're all about the preservation, when we're all about making sure that we avoid those or punish those who have hurt us, it's about fear, you know? And when we live in fear, we don't live in love. You know, I have been very blessed recently to be reading this book, and I may have mentioned it before here, but I can't encourage you enough to read this book. It is called The Last Hours of Christ. 
And there's a scene or the chapters in the book where the author talks about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I wrote a blog about this yesterday that you know, I think is of great significance when we consider the choices that we have. Because we have this choice to control our life, which is based on fear. It is based upon focusing so much on the rearview mirror of what might occur to me or what has occurred to me that I focus not at all on where it is I'm going or what it is that life is about. And I think when we think about the Garden of Gethsemane and Christ going there and you know, weeping and in anguish and struggling with the fear of what might be occurring in his life. You know, he cries, he becomes overwhelmed, he becomes anxious and he becomes afraid. And yet through time, what he comes to realize is that, you know, he is loved, not just by his disciples, not just by his apostles, but by God. And it's helped me to realize that if there is a force that is more powerful than fear, it is that divine love. Because by the third time that Christ you know, went back into the garden to pray, he came to realize that you know, God was there. God was present. He was not alone. That he was truly connected with God. And that God had wrapped his arms around him and let him know that what he was doing was to save the world and in that case his fear went away and I think it's an important thing for us to consider because in human relationships fear is always going to be a factor that's one of the sad fallibilities of human beings and it's one of the reasons why it is that we try to control the circumstances around us and yet when we are afraid we do not allow for love and I think that's one of the things, going back to the very beginning of this podcast today, that has been very self-disclosing, and I hope you don't mind. But one of the things that struck me about the idea that I want to say what it is I want to say, I want to be in control of what it is that comes out of my mouth, you know, and the reason is because I'm afraid. I'm afraid you'll listen to these podcasts and you'll think, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or this guy has no foundation in any reason or logic that maybe he comes across in a particular way, but he's not as bright as he thinks himself to be, and all these very prideful things. And so it's difficult, and yet so easy, to give up that control, to take a place of humility, because after everything is said and done, it doesn't matter whether I am the brightest person. It doesn't matter whether or not the things that I say are of the greatest significance. What really matters is this. On the one hand, am I saying the things that need to be said to one person? One person that's going to listen to this today. Or over the next week, or over the next month, or the next year. Am I saying the things that need to be said? Because the truth of it is, I do this for you, and I'm not doing this for me. I gain nothing from this other than the sense 
of satisfaction knowing that at some level or another, I hope that whatever it is that comes through me, you know, that I am blessed to give to you through the gift of the Holy Spirit, that that may touch somebody and may help them and may in some ways alter their life. And I think that there's no greater gift that I can have than to know that I'm giving that gift to whoever that person or persons might be. I really want to thank you for listening, for putting up with me, for appreciating perhaps what it is that we do here. And I really do very much look forward to talking with you again soon. I wish blessings on you and I hope that you are well. <laughs>